We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, June the 18th, 2020. On today's show, we conclude the 2020 opponent preview series today. We are breaking down the Clemson Tigers, South Carolina's annual rivalry matchup in Clemson, South Carolina. I'll break down Clemson, including their head coach, how they did a season ago, their best returning players on offense and defense. Give my overall outlook for Clemson's 2020 season, as well as the game this fall in Clemson, South Carolina, and much, much more. Also, some news and notes to get into your listener questions. And we have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive back C.C. Whitlock, and I know that you're sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, they have tickets to literally anything and everything, and I'm hoping and I'm thinking, fingers crossed, sports are going to be coming back this fall. When you need your tickets, SeatGeek is the way to go. They're changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. Obviously, ticket buying now is also a lot different. You might not want to come in contact with someone or you know the way people would buy from scalpers on the side of the road. That may be a thing of the past. You can avoid that now with SeatGeek. they got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So, guys, never again do you have to worry about, again, scalping from anyone, coming in contact with somebody. But you also know you're getting the best bang for your buck. You're going to know exactly where you're sitting, what you're paying, what type of deal you're getting. You're going to know know whether you're getting a steal, whether you're getting ripped off. You're going to have all that information so you can make the best possible decision and you can feel good about your purchase. Again, SeatGeek, they're the best. They are changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. So, again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. Um, very, very excited. Wrapping up the opponent preview series today. Unfortunately, we have to talk about them, the Clemson Tigers. Uh, before we get into everything, a couple housekeeping items really, really quickly. I do want to give one quick life update as well. Um, I know some people were asking. So my parents, um, I haven't really – I put it out on social media Wednesday afternoon, but I hadn't really updated anybody. I talked about why I didn't go to the beach a few weeks ago that my dad was feeling under the weather, whatever. Well, come to find out, both of my parents 
tested positive for coronavirus. And I, I didn't want to say anything, you know, during, I guess, I, I just didn't want to say anything off the jump because I didn't want to get people worried or whatever. But I'm very happy to say that as of today, my parents, as of this week, my parents have both, mom and dad, made a full recovery from it. So um, the symptoms, they just had fever and felt sluggish, you know, just felt sick. But thankfully, it never got to a point where, you know, they were having breathing problems or needed to go to the doctor or, you know, go to the hospital or anything like that. So just wanted to let everybody know, you guys probably already saw on social media, but again, wanted to let everybody know, mom and dad are okay. Um, coronavirus is very real. I would just say, say, stay safe, stay healthy, do what you got to do to make sure you're all right. But just want to let everybody know, mom and dad are good. Hopefully we're rescheduling the beach vacation kind of selfishly. I know they're ready to get out too, because they've been quarantined for the 14 days. So they're all quarantined, double quarantine. They're back to being hundred percent feeling good. So I just wanted to let everybody know, update on that. Very, very happy about that. God is good for sure. Um, really quick, as always, before we get into everything, if you haven't done so, rate the show. Click the pause button right now, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be. Rate the show, leave five stars, leave your thoughts, feedback, whatever it is, something you like, you don't like, that's the best place to do it. We're up to like 270 reviews, I think, on iTunes. So I really appreciate the people that have already done that. And also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, hammer the subscribe button. You want to know when the show drops, be sure you are subscribed. If you're listening right now and you're not subscribed to the show, I really don't know what you're doing. Just be sure you're subscribed to the show and also rate the show as well. All right, let's dive into it. Wrapping up the 2020 opponent preview series. It's been fun. What's this been like four or five weeks, maybe six weeks we've been doing this. Um, so wrapping it up, wrapping up the 2020 opponent preview series today, we are talking about those damned Clemson Tigers up there in the upstate. Saturday, November 28th, the two teams face each other in Memorial Stadium at the fake Death Valley, I might add, in Clemson. Um, all-time series record, Clemson leads 71-42-4. and Obviously, we all know how the last meeting went last year. Clemson beat South Carolina 38-3, to and obviously this is a rivalry that South Carolina is looking to turn it around, looking to turn it around. Six losses in a row. Um, Clemson going for number seven this year in Clemson. Um, so obviously the Gamecocks are looking to turn that around. 2019, Clemson went 14-1, and 8-0 in the ACC. Their head coach, obviously, Dabo Sweeney. Um, his overall record, 130-31 and 31 in his 13th season. Coming into his 13th year at Clemson. It's crazy he's been there that long. Um, 2019, let's go over the 2019 schedule, just how Clemson did a year ago. And again, I'll run through this really quickly. Um, because they really were, were hardly tested. Um, blew out Georgia Tech on Thursday night to start the year. Uh, beat Texas A&M by 14, which was kind of a hyped-up game in Clemson. They won that one. But beat Syracuse, beat UNC Charlotte. Went to Chapel Hill and damn near lost. Damn near had that one slip up. 21-20 to 20 was the final. And if you guys remember, UNC went for two at the end of the game and did not get it. They tried to win the game there at the end. Um, so UNC, definitely the closest game they played all season. But after that – Beat Florida State, beat Louisville, beat Boston College, beat Wofford, beat NC State, beat Wake Forest, beat South Carolina, crushed Virginia in the ACC championship. And then we all remember the playoff game against Ohio State. The fumble, was it a fumble? Was it not a fumble? Just ridiculous, horrible officiating that game. But they beat Ohio State 29-23. to And then LSU gets the best at Clemson in the national championship, 42-25, to thankfully. LSU won that game. Thankfully, I know we're all happy about that. Um, let's talk about best returning players on offense and defense. I want to start on offense. You could definitely go a couple different directions with this. One of the big losses to them offensively, obviously, is Justin Ross being out for the season. But with Clemson offensively, 
it all starts with Trevor Lawrence. I, I know Travis Etienne is the man. He, he is arguably the best running back in Clemson history, but it all starts with Trevor Lawrence. 3,665 passing yards a year ago, 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I think it was Trevor Lawrence threw seven – or no, he did he throw eight interceptions in the first seven games? He didn't throw any for the rest of the season. So this is a guy that, you know, barring any injuries or just a complete horrid, horrid year – this is a guy most likely is going to be your number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year. Um, 6-6-2, I think, what, 6-6-2-20? Is he that lean? I mean, the, the ultimate quarterback prospect, um, we, we all know about Trevor Lawrence, shredded South Carolina a year ago. So, Trevor Lawrence, to me, by far, their best turning player on offense and arguably the best, the best quarterback in college football. I don't think there's any question. He's probably the best quarterback and probably the front runner, at least in the preseason, for the Heisman Trophy. Um, best returning player on defense. So Clemson loses a lot defensively. Um, but their best returning player on defense, defensive tackle Tyler Davis, the sophomore, in my opinion. 51 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, five and a half sacks. Again, this is one of those things as well. There's multiple guys down that you can go down the list and pick for their best overall player defensively. Uh, it'll be a lot of fresh faces, but you know Brent Venables will have those guys ready to go. It'll probably be just another classic Clemson defense. But uh, – Again, Tyler Davis, the sophomore, had a really good freshman campaign. I expect him to be the next great Clemson player in the middle. Um, the overall outlook for Clemson this 2020 season, taking a look at their schedule, they start the year in Atlanta against Georgia Tech on Thursday night, then play Louisville, Akron, Virginia, at Boston College, at Florida State, which maybe could be an interesting game, NC State, Syracuse, at Notre Dame, November the 7th, which is probably going to be their biggest game of the season. I would say it's already a 7.30 kickoff on NBC. Um, Citadel at home at Wake Forest and then hosting South Carolina, hosting the Gamecocks, obviously, in the rivalry game, the final game of the season. I, I mean, guys, my overall outlook, <clears throat> I think Clemson at, at worst goes 11-1, and but I'm probably picking them to go 12-0. and Um and I mean, it's unfortunate. I know you guys are like, Chris, why are you talking about this? Why, why are we, why are we having this episode? I know some people on Twitter were saying like, I'm not going to tune in. Listen, I've done the opponent preview for everybody else. We got to do it for Clemson as well. Um, but you take a look at Clemson season. I mean, simply put, are they going to be college football playoff bound once again? And why not? I mean, we all know about the ACC schedule. It is not tough. It's not really that tough. Um, you know, and Clemson's a good football team, obviously, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's nobody on this schedule, and there's nobody really in the ACC that you think to yourself is going to dethrone Clemson. Um, you know, Clemson, with all the success they had, they have had, um, the way they've recruited, uh, there's just no, you know, there's, there's just no way I see them not making the college football playoff. And if you guys can't tell, it's hard for me to even talk about this because this is kind of depressing to, to talk about how good they've done. Um, talking about the rivalry, let's, let's talk about specifically what this game means for South Carolina and the overall outlook for this game in 2020. I mean, listen, the big question is Clemson shooting for seven wins in a row over USC. What do the Gamecocks have to do to make this game competitive again? You know, what does South Carolina have to do to make this game competitive again? Because again, you've lost in 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, staring at seven in a row. And the games have not been close. The games haven't been close. If you want to argue the game a few years ago in Clemson where Jake Bentley threw for 500 yards or that was close, it was a 21-point loss. What does South Carolina have to do to make this rivalry even competitive again? I'm not talking about winning the game. Just competitive 
a, make it a second half game. You know, I think one of the big storylines in this one is going to be Ryan Holinsky's first trip to Clemson, assuming he's still the starting quarterback at that point, which I think he will be. But Ryan Holinsky's first trip there. And I think, honestly, one of the big things surrounding this game is just how important this game is for Will Muschamp. Because, you know, I think a lot of the heat that Will Muschamp gets is due to part, doing part of the Clemson game and how he's fared in rivalry games. I mean, listen, beating Georgia last season, huge for his program. That winning that rivalry game is huge. Obviously, the Georgia game does not hold the weight of the Clemson game. This game, to me, is extremely important for Will Muschamp. Extremely. Because, again, we talk about South Carolina is going to be staring at a possible 6-6 six and six record, you know, 5-7-ish and seven -ish record, set, maybe 7-5. Maybe, maybe and five. But you're going to win over a lot more of the fan base and convince the fan base a lot much easier that the program's headed in the right direction if you can actually go into Clemson and finally give them a tough game. So I think this game is extremely important for Will Muschamp, and I think it's extremely important for the program, too. I mean, there, there, there has to be some sort of progress shown. There just has to be. I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you guys. South Carolina's probably going to be like a 24, 24-and-a-half-point underdog. No question. The two programs right now are on completely different levels. And that's why this is so frustrating to talk about because I know that. And I'm honest with myself about that. But at some point, at some point, somebody has to step up and say, we are not getting our ass kicked again this year. We're not. We're not doing it. This shit is going to stop now. This stops now. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that player? And, again, I don't think it can just be one guy. It's going to have to be a collective team effort. But, man, you would just – I mean, you would really think at some point that South Carolina would catch – not necessarily catch Clemson napping, but maybe there would be a game where South Carolina plays its best game and Clemson, play, Clemson plays its worst. I mean, that's the big question. What does South Carolina have to do to make this a close competitive game with Clemson? I, I think that's – I think that's the question all Gamecock fans simply put are asking themselves. Um, because, again, none of the matchups have been close. You, you fear you may be losing seven in a row. Is this the year South Carolina finally makes it even a competitive game? I'm not even talking about breaks through and wins the damn thing, but makes it a competitive game. Let's go ahead and jump right in these listener questions. Um, or excuse me, hold on. We, got, we do have a few news and notes to get into here. Uh, first things first, A.J. Lawson, the A.J. Lawson saga. This has been very, very interesting. Um, reports from John Rothstein, who's a national college basketball guy, reporting that A.J. Lawson is coming back 110%. Those reports being refuted by his parents that he is still very much so um, open to the NBA draft, I guess. But I think A.J. Lawson's coming back. Listen, he'd be a fool not to. Let's just put it that way. He, he would be an absolute fool not to come back. So I think he'll be back in Garnet and Black, but the initial report, again, was refuted. Um, so take it for what it's worth. Um, 
Yeah, I think he'll be back, though. I do. Um, one other thing, Gamecocks do pick up a commitment. 2023-star defensive back Jaden Johnson. Jaden Johnson, comedian of South Carolina. So, um, continuing on the recruiting trail, um, I think it's the Gamecocks' seventh commitment, something like that. So, Will Muschamp and his crew still putting in work. Um, all right, now let's get in these listener questions because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm tired of – I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. I'm, I'm, tired, of, I'm tired of just, just talking about it. Um, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Scott W. Lawson, where will there be, if any, the biggest mismatch in our favor, position group or individual? This one to me is easy. Clemson has questions in their secondary. Their secondary should be will probably be very thin this year. So the biggest mismatch needs to be and probably will be Shy Smith against their DBs. Um, South Carolina should be able to have some success in the passing game. I think Shy Smith could have a big day against them. Um, Jordan Portillo, 93, what will be Clemson's biggest weakness? Again, the secondary. That is where all the questions come. They are thin there. Obviously, they have talent. They've recruited well, but they are thin in the secondary. So, I think that's where you can expose Clemson. Um, Landon Walters, why do they insist on telling me Trevor Lawrence or two times Natty Chance? Because they, they just can't shut up. They can't help themselves. Uh, CP3 underscore presents underscore. Do you hate Clemson with a passion or do you feel forced to hate them because of the rivalry? I hate them. I hate them with a passion. I, I hate them. No question. Brennan underscore Smith 47. Unpopular opinion at this point of the season, Luke Doty will be starting. So you're saying you think Luke Doty will be the starter when Carolina goes to Clemson. Interesting. I mean, it's not impossible, but I'm probably sticking with the, with Helensky. Um, Josh Masters underscore eight. Who starts at quarterback this year? I think Ryan Helensky. I think he's the guy going forward. Um, S.Rush7. Bigger joke. Calling Clemson – Calling Clemson God's country or their fans calling themselves classy? Uh, probably calling Clemson God's country, honestly. Just, yeah. Um, Blaine Godfrey, why is Clemson even in the playoff? Uh, they are overrated. I mean, I think they're actually really good, but they do play a weak schedule. But let's just tip the cap, bro. They're good. I mean, it's just I hate to say that, but they're good. They have good players, and, I mean, they're good. They're really good. So, um, I am Kale. What do we have to do to get to Clemson's level? Well, we got to go out and hire a big-time head coach, and you got to recruit. Listen, dude, Jimmy's and Joe's win, man. I, I mean, you can, you know, say all you want about how great the program Muschamp is built is and how great the character of the kids. If you don't have the talent, you're not going to win on the field, especially when your coach – isn't going to coach your guys up. This is not Steve Spurrier. He's not taking a bunch of three stars and making them play like five stars. You got to have a good – you got to have a big-time coach and you got to get some big-time players. That's how it's going to happen. Bottom line, you got to get the players. So, Evan B underscore 100, what's your record for Clemson after they lost their top two hours? I think they go 12-0. and 0. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat them? Maybe they lose at Notre Dame, but – that's a maybe. So they're eleven and one at worst, in my opinion. Um, final question. Well, actually, we got a couple more. Judd Ruff, what's the latest fallout on Dabo from his comments? I, I don't think any. I think this is going to be another Clemson thing where it sort of gets swept under the rug and nothing really comes of it. I, I hate, I hate to say that, but I think that's what's going to happen. Justin Sutherland, what my boy Justin, what's your three keys to victory playing at their house or what three things do we have to do to pull out a dub at their place? The three things we have to do. We have to win the turnover battle. 
we have to open up the playbook and get creative. We have to take risks. And the final thing, we have to play our best game and hope Clemson plays their their C-minus game. We have to. It's just bottom line. You know, I hate to say that, but we have to. So that 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 to me is probably the three things there. Um, let me see one more question here. Here we go, my boy Matt Packwin, Matty P. Shout out Matty P for this question. He says, "I think Muschamp will be safe at the end of the year because of the coronavirus taking away buyout funds. You seem to think it's close if he doesn't make a bowl game. How good does the season have to be for Carolina fans to tolerate another embarrassing loss like 2019 or 2016?" And he's talking about the Clemson game, obviously. Um. Matt, I, I think if you go five and seven or worse, he should be fired no matter what, no matter what happens. I think six and six, when you get in that gray area, is where it really starts to become – you start to look at, okay, what were your losses like? Like, if you go six and that, – that's why I said this game is so important for Muschamp. Because even if you go six and six, but if you play Clemson close – a lot of the fan base is going to jump back in your corner and be like, oh, you see, we're headed in the right direction. Like, look what he did, blah, blah, Like, we're really close. If you go 6-6, six and six, though, and you get blasted again, like, I mean, like, 28 points or more just taken to the woodshed again, I mean, it, you know, I think if that happens, he should be fired. I think because of COVID and everything that's happened with the pandemic, and they're going to try to use that to their advantage and say – Oh, you know, with the funds and the buyout and having to go get a new head coach, we're going to bring him back. Um, so I think six wins, I think he's safe. I, I, do, I do. Unfortunately, I, I do. I think he's safe. But I, uh, you know, I, I just don't – I don't know. I, I think five or worse, he's gone. Probably six or more and he stays. But I agree. I, the, that game is going to have such an impact on the perception of him and this program. It is. People are tired of losing to Clemson, and they're tired of getting their butts kicked. Bro, we haven't just lost. Last year was a joke. Like, we shouldn't even have shown up. 38-3, to three, bro, it's, it's literally like watching. If you go back and watch the highlights, it's like watching a high school team playing an NFL team. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. So, fans are tired of seeing that shit. So... We'll see if this is the year you finally either break the streak or just make it a close game. For the love of God, make it a fourth quarter game. Something. Make it a fourth quarter game. So, what South Carolina has to do to do that? <sighs> Be better. <laughs> play better football. I mean, play better. Bottom line. So, all right, got a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks defensive back, CeCe Whitlock. Awesome conversation. CeCe's an awesome dude. Was part of some of the best defenses in school history. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Former Gamecocks defensive back, C.C. Whitlock. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2008 to 2011. During his career, he had 54 total tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, and five interceptions for the Gamecocks. He was also a member of some of the best defenses in school history. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks defensive back, CC Whitlock. CC, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, no problem, man. So, you know, it's always an honor to be able to, you know, touch bases with you guys. You know, I've been out of school for um, eight years and 
you know, it's just always an honor, especially just being in touch with you guys and you guys keeping in touch with former uh, players too. Yes, yeah, eight years, man. The time just the time flies for sure. It's, it's crazy <laughs> yeah, how right. how quick it goes. But I, I want to start from the beginning for you, CC, because I was reading up on your uh, your recruiting profile. For those that forgot, and you were a guy that really did a little bit of everything in high school. You played quarter quarterback. You played defensive back. Um, you were a threat offensively, by the way. Just reading off, you passed for I think over fifteen hundred yards and rushed for eight hundred and one mm-hmm. season. Um, but you're a four-star kid, one of the best cornerback prospects in the country. I think it came down, I saw you visited Alabama, North Carolina, but you picked South Carolina. Just talk about your recruitment. Again, you're an in-state guy from Chester, South Carolina. Why the Gamecocks? Why'd you pick South Carolina? Uh, I mean, they it, it, it was kind of a home, you know, home decision. You know, they made me feel so comfortable on my official visit. And, you know, coming out of high school, man, I had, had I, you know, I had kids at an early age. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I actually based that, um, you know, being far away from my kids, I based it that on the decision, you know, because if not, I probably would be would have been playing ball in Alabama. You know, I had a, mm-hmm. I had a variety of choices coming out of high school. But, yeah, I would just say my kids, you know, that played a big part in my decision making um, on going to school at uh, University of South Carolina. For sure. So you talk about, yeah, as, as far as going the, the home side of it, how much did, because I know obviously Steve Spurrier was sort of just starting to really get it rolling there. And you were part of that, I believe you were part of that 07 recruiting class that people really look back on and say that was the recruiting class that sort of, that sort of jump-started everything for Steve Spurrier and the program, because you think of all the contributors and all the guys in that class. I mean, when I guess, I guess it's easier now because when you look back, I mean, how special was that 07 recruiting class? Because, like I said, that that's the one that I think everybody points at and says that's the one that really got the ball rolling for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that was very, very special, you know, because, you know, I was going to my other visits to other schools and stuff. And, you know, at the time, the Gamecocks, they weren't, you know, they weren't on, on the bright side of so mm-hmm. much. They weren't winning. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of those coaches was – you know, they was downplaying the game cuts because I think they kind of knew I was leaning towards going to play ball there. You know, and um, they were just downplaying it. Like, um, we weren't going to be winning games, you know. And, and also, when I went on my visit to SC, you know, they was telling me that, you know, you're going to be a part of this program. We're going to change this program around. You know, we're going we're expecting big things from you. You know what I'm saying? And when mm-hmm. I got there, that's exactly what happened, man. You know, me, me, me and the guys, you know, I'm pretty sure you know the guys that's, that I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the defense that we had and also mm. offensively wise, you know, we had some real talent on offense. We pushed each other every day at work. We hung out, we built the chemistry and man, we came, you know, the, when we played for the SEC East championship, you know what I mean? That's, mm. that was really unexpected from a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So we really clicked and we thought we knew we had something special, man. And then, you know, we just built the chemistry on the team, man. And then the next year, that's when we won the 11 wins. And then, you know, they won another 11-win season. You know, Spurrier, man, he was a great guy. He, he, he changed the program for the, you know, for the time he was there, for the decade he was there. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get back on the upside. Yeah, I'm curious to know, CC, your interactions with Spurrier, because I think a lot of people probably forget you came into Carolina and started out as a wide receiver. So, I mean, you were an offensive guy. So, you, I'm right. sure, dealt with Spurrier very much one on one because he's very involved with his wide receivers, but obviously you switched over to defensive back. But what was the uh, what was the relationship like for uh, between you and Spurrier? Well, actually, and and, and, and got me when I'm right with this. So when I got there, you know, 
he he loved he loved me with the ball in my hands. You know what I'm saying? He was mm-hmm. one of those guys. He told me he was like, "Oh no, you gotta have the ball in your hands." You know what I'm saying? When I got there, and he modeled my my play style behind Kenny McKinley. That's mm-hmm. why I mean, Kenny, we were so close. You know what I mean? And he was actually my mentor. So I my, uh, Spurrier told me that I was going. He actually, as a true freshman, I I was starting for a few. He actually moved Kenny out to the outside receiver and put and replaced me with the Z what Kenny was, and, um, you know, he just told me, man, that I was excited with the ball in my hands, and, you know, I, defense back, it was just a homebody for me. I could just go over there, and I could just play that position, you know what I mean? Right. Because it's right. basically just me and you, me and one guy, mm. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that that was just me, man. Like, in high school, I, I was pretty much all over the field, man. I really didn't have my mind made up on what position I wanted to play until I got to um college and then when I really got to playing DB man I just felt so comfortable back there you know what I mean mm-hmm. especially playing with DJ Stefan Akeem Devontae you know Antonio Allen guys like that you know what I'm saying so you know I just felt home at DB yeah I, I was gonna say uh, as far as you know playing defensive back um did you like offense or defense more? Like, did you did you prefer one or the other, or just kind of you just want to get on the field, make an impact? Basically, yeah, I just wanted yeah. to get on the field and make an impact. And you know, I, I, I like I say, man, I, the secondary we had my senior year, which was Stephon and DJ's and them mm-hmm. junior year and stuff like that, man. That's you know, I think we ended, I think we ended up like like two in the nation in, in interceptions. You know, we were probably mm-hmm. getting like two or three a game. You know what I mean? Right, like. So it it was fun, man. Like you say, man, time is 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 it waits on nobody. Like I've been out of school for eight years, and I just remember the process. Like mm-hmm. I remember it like it was yesterday. It still feel like I was playing ball. It still feel like I play ball. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's so crazy. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I feel like maybe you were meant to play defensive back because I didn't know this until really just now or a couple minutes ago, but. Your cousin is actually Jonathan Joseph, who played yeah. defensive back at Carolina and is playing in yep. the NFL. So, I mean, yep. that's that's a pretty good bloodline. That's, right. that's, that's <laughs> not bad, for sure. You know, I actually got a son. My son is actually um, going to the seventh grade now. And he oh, is, nice. Yeah, he is pretty, you know. The he, next big prospect. He coming up. Yeah, he's coming up. He's coming <laughs> up. And he, you know, he's a huge Gamecock fan, so we're going to see how that goes. So, you know, I, I, I'm interested in seeing, you know, the path he uh, take and – this journey, man, it's just been a journey, you know, and I'm just I'm just here for the ride and stuff like that, man. You know, now I just devote a lot of my time into my son. You know, I work him out a lot, and, and, and I told him, you know, I just push him to be better than me because, you know, a lot of people be talking to him, and they just like, you you going to be like your father? You know, I'll never want him to live up to that, that hope, that dream, you know what I'm saying? I want you to be better than me, you know what I mean? So... We talk a lot, man. We work out a lot. And, um, you know, I have him watch a lot of my film, too. And, you know, I just, I'm just i just trying to teach him the game. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. I didn't know as a kid, you know, because coming out of high school, man, you know, I was this little small kid that grew up. You know, I, my family, I'm the first of my, 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 my mom got seven kids. You know, I'm the first graduate mm-hmm. from high school and college. So coming out of high school, it was just a blur to me. I really ain't know what, what was going on with me. I was just going with the flow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was just this small-time kid, you know, that could play football. You know what I'm saying? And then when I got to school, you know, I I, I, I still didn't get the bigger picture until I started playing a lot more on the field. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, 
yeah, man, it was it was it was a journey, man, and I and I enjoyed it. I never regret going to South Carolina because they they taught me a lot. You know, I got my degree, I graduated, I got my bachelor's. So you know, I I ended up uh, turning it into something. Yeah, I, I was going to ask. You talked about just kind of what you learned and sort of the adjustment. What what was the adjustment like for you going from high school to college? Obviously, diving into the SEC. Uh, I know you played sparingly your first year, but what what was the biggest adjustment? Would you say diving into SEC football? I, I would say the talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I because coming out of you know in high school, you're not going to just have everybody not going to be good all the way around the right. field. You know, you have a certain few people that's good on the team. You know what I'm saying? So you can get by with just BSing right here, you know. So I would just say the talent, you know, everybody on the field was pretty much good, and you know, you had to work. Like me personally, I'm, you know, I'm not bragging. Like I didn't work in high school. I just went out there on Fridays and I played. You know, I just went to practice Monday through Thursdays and I practiced. I didn't have to. I I didn't do the extra work. I didn't know right. that the extra work was required like it is now. Like I, you know, that's more what I regret. More what I regret. Like, not putting in the extra work and stuff like that. So, me personally, I would say the talent, you know, and just, you know, things like that. For sure. So, I want to fast forward 2009, CC, your first career interception. It's funny. I was going back and watching this because I, I kind of forgot about this. But uh, the game at Alabama, which obviously didn't go you guys' way, but uh, your your interception in that game, you you pick it off and then fumble it. And it's your first ever pick. <laughs> uh, in Tuscaloosa, I mean, they recruited you, and obviously that's that was a huge game. You know, they were really good. Had Mark Ingram, Greg McElroy, whatever. But you pick off the pass, fumble it. I mean, just talk about, I guess, there's a ton of emotions there because it's like the thrill of your first college interception followed up by the dude comes out of nowhere and honestly just pokes the ball out, and it's like a freak play. But just talk about that play a little bit. Did you ever imagine your first college pick would go the way it did? I'm going to actually tell you how that went about, man, like, I think it was like the Thursday before the game. Mm. Uh, Coach Ward, he coming there, he because the guy that was I was actually I wasn't starting. The guy mm. that was ahead of me, he had got suspended for a game for three games actually. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So my first game starting was the Kentucky game the week before that, and then the Alabama game was the week after that. You know what I mean? Mm. That play really, you know, it turned it, it turned a lot around for me. It made me see a lot. You know what I mean? That play, I was actually going to take that interception to the house you know <laughs> like it wasn't nobody in front of me the guy that actually made me fumble was julio jones like because mm-hmm. he was coming across the field you know what i'm saying and the pass was actually ricocheted off one of our defenders and then i just caught it in the on the run and you know i actually had two interceptions that game to be honest <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah man it, 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 it was a blur again you know I still think about it and you know it was fun it was real fun especially being against Alabama you know because that was really my second choice mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and Nick Saban was really hard on me like I want you here I need you here mm-hmm. like this is where you're gonna play ball at like this is where you're gonna come in and you're gonna play straight you, you, you're you not gonna register you're gonna come straight in and you're gonna play you know what I'm saying so it was big, and, and, and you know he talked to me after that game, and you know he 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 shook my hand and stuff like that, and he told me he, he knew I would always be somebody special on the field. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, so. I I, I want to ask you about too. You you talked a little bit about it earlier, but your teammates playing with the guys you played with, and it's funny you came in really when the you know the goon squad defense was really right. starting to like 
take fun. I mean, like I remember guys like Eric Norwood, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Cook, and then you had yourself, mm-hmm. Swearinger, Gilman, Antonio yeah. Allen, Catman. Yeah, yeah. 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 just, yeah. just talk guys. about playing with those guys because again, you were a guy that fit in well to that. You had the personality of like a tenacious, just get after it type of guy. You would light somebody up, and I, again, I think that was just infectious throughout the entire defense. But I mean, what do you remember about – I mean, I guess it started when you first got on campus, but just the overall mentality of the defense and your playing style as well. Like, where did that come from for you personally for that entire defense? Man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, when I got moved to DB, you know, I just fell in love with it because them guys was competing. It was a lot of rah-rah practice, like Captain Munden, Mm. Carlos Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Cook. Like, see, I was a freshman. I was a true freshman. Them Mm. the guys that was in front of me. You know what I'm saying? Right. So – them guys showed me how to get out there. They showed me how to compete. And it was just fun, like, just being in groups with those guys, working out with them, doing one-on-ones with them. And, you know, that goon squad, man, it, came, it originated from those guys right there. And it just carried on. Like, Melvin Ingram, you know what mm. I'm saying? Those guys, that it just carried on. We competed. Like, we always told the offense, we got y'all back. And, and that's what we did. And we did that. You know what I'm saying, man? I think that defense we had my senior year, is I think the by, by far the best defense South Carolina ever had. You know what mm, I'm saying? Right. So, you know, we was just competing a lot, man, and and, and that was what it, that was was all about. For sure. So, I, you being an in-state guy, Cece, I definitely want to talk to you about the Carolina Clemson rivalry. And again, you got there, uh, lost your first time to him, but went undefeated the rest of your career. So you went three and one against Clemson. You started the five-game winning streak against them. Uh, just talk about playing in that rivalry obviously being you know in those battles and then just being an alum and someone you can say you went three and one against Clemson I mean what that rivalry means to you now it really meant so much to me man because like the all-star games like the Shrine Bowl the Under Armour All-American game a lot of those guys I played with they went to Clemson too you know what I'm saying so um that game, low key, it, it 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 meant a lot to me because of the bragging rights. You know, you had to deal with it 365 days until you played again. So those guys, man, I, I, I can't really speak on how I want to talk about it, but you know, <laughs> it, it 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 was crazy. Like, yeah, to be able to go three and one against them, and um, some some of the guys I played with, they went four and zero. Like mm-hmm. the class after me, they went four and zero. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Clowney never lost. It's a, it's a few guys that never lost to Clemson. You know, I lost one time. But like you said, we started the, the five-game win streak. Mm. My class, we started the five-game win streak. And that game was always big on us. That game was always big on us. We, we knew no matter what we did, the game before that, the week before that or whatever, we knew we had to beat them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I think we kind of intimidated those guys. I think they were scared of us. Like, I, I, I ain't even bragging, but I think they were scared <laughs> of us. I, I really do. I think they were scared of us because we always beat them by more than one touchdown, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, the defense, you know, I was going to say the defense dominated those games. The yeah, defense dominated. dominated those games. Yeah, we dominated real big. We dominated. We dominated. We dominated. And, and that's what was instilled in us. We dominate. Whenever the offense lacking, we still got to dominate. And we do. We dominate, man, because, come on, man, we had some of the best DBs, some right. of the best defensive linemen. You know what I mean? Come on. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? For real. So, we no, played for- a lot of men, though. We played a lot of man coverage mm. because we, we, we didn't want it to be on us. It was one year, though. I ain't even going I'm, – I'm, it was one year we had – we our, our defense back, we was kind of slacking. It was actually the year before that. The year we went to the SEC East Championship mm. – I think we might have been last in the SEC and pass defense and all kind of stuff, man. But after that, we came together, man, and we got it together. 
and, and, and we work to be, you know, some, some majority of those guys still in the NFL right now. Mm. I, I'm, I'm going to assume you were a guy that you, you favored playing man, man coverage over zone coverage. Yeah. I would, I would I love, imagine. Yep. Yeah. I love those, man coverage. Those one-on-one battles for sure. Yep. Those one-on-one battles meant everything. We harped on it at practice a lot. We spent 30 to 45 minutes in one-on-one mm. every practice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that, 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 that was, and then we was going against guys like Alshon, A. Sanders, you know what I'm saying, Nick Jones, you know, Jason Barnes, those type of guys, man, they was pushing us real hard at practice. It was pushing us real hard at practice. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate those guys too, though, man, because, you know, they, they made us to what we was out there on Saturdays, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And we also turned them into what they was on Saturdays too. Mm-hmm. So iron, iron sharpens iron, for sure. I, I, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of your your, your former uh, teammates, wide receivers, it's funny. Before this, I was on Instagram looking at your uh, – I think you posted before the, the Bama game last season. And right. You and Mo Brown were going back and forth about it. I talked to Mo before. He talked about how, <laughs> all the you – know, he, he's a receiver, so he says all the DBs held in practice and everything. They never, <laughs> they never called it. Um, who, who was the guy, I guess? Who, who was – because I've heard stories of, like, you know, Swearinger getting into it with guys and, like, really just, you know, I've heard Spurrier kicking the defense out of practice. I mean, yeah. what was uh, – like I said, th- those battles, I feel like those those are probably some pretty intense battles when you threw, like, Alshon in there and Mo Brown and, you know, like you said, just the the list goes on and on of receivers and great DBs, you know, bumping heads every day. It's, it's – like, Hey, but know. like I told Mo, I mean, if they ain't throwing that yellow flag, then is it a hole? <laughs> Technically, it's not. Technically, it's not. <laughs> so, so at the end of the day, you know, you can't say that. We hold it. We can't. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like, mm, that was probably that was that was interesting though. Those guys, man, I, I swear. You know, Mo actually running for uh Congress now. Yeah, no, yeah, it's awesome. Um, nice. No, yeah, that's that's real nice. And you yeah. know, a guy Terrence Campbell I played ball with, he actually at San Jose um mm. police department, he working up there now. You know, he's doing real big things with that. And I'm proud mm. of him for that too, though, man, because that's you know, that's real big, like, mm. to be able to take that step, it's, especially what's going on now in the yeah. world, you know what I'm saying? Mm. No, for okay, sure. Interview on the phone. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's crazy how many how many of your former teammates and just how – I feel like all those guys are uh, are doing big things for sure after, right. after football, whether they're still in football right. or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I want to talk to you about that 2010 season, obviously, CC, because that was the season that really got things going um, for the South Carolina program. And you guys go through – win the SEC East, clinch it in Gainesville against Florida. Obviously, there were so many memorable moments from that year, whether it was beating Georgia week two, obviously the huge win over Alabama, which is still talked about, uh, you know, still talked about nowadays. I mean, beating Tennessee, winning at Florida, like I said. You know, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know that was the first time ever in school history that yeah. they beat all them teams in one year. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I wanted to ask you, just – that sense of pride, knowing you're you're one of those guys that you know contributed to that. I mean, again, being an in-state guy, you know, there's even if South Carolina were to go to ten straight SEC titles, there, there's nobody else that can say like you guys. You were the first team to ever do it, right? We first team to ever go to the SEC, and, and, and you know, even though we looked like slop, man, but I don't know, man. I just you know, I, that's one game we regret. Cam Newton became Superman that game. Yeah, he he actually did become <laughs> Superman that year, and I mean, it was his year. It was his yeah. year, though. It was his it year. Was his you know, you know, yeah, it was his year. It was his year. And we always say that it was his year, man, because we he, we ain't the only team he did like that. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always say that that Hail Mary before at, at the end of the first half is what changed that game, it seemed like. That, yeah, that, that, was, that Hail Mary touchdown is kind of what did it. Mm-hmm. 
But no, like I said, it, it was Cam's year. But no, I just, I, I just want to ask you though, going from like a small town kid to being a contributor on a team, you know, you show up in Atlanta, the Georgia Dome. I mean, what, what's what's that moment like? Just being like, you know, I'm here. Like you, you kind of almost have like that. I made it feeling. You know what I mean? Like you're on the pinnacle of college football at that point. Yeah, man, it, it was real big. You know, like I, I you know, I, I was always, man, I ain't even gonna lie. Like every Saturday, I was always amazed, like just to see that many people. You know what I mean? Supporting you. And then, like, I was also, I was, I was always amazed, man, just uh, about what we was accomplish, accomplishing as a team. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and just being from a small town area with a population of probably 3,500 to 4,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, mm. I, I was Chester's first All-American. I was Chester's first high recruit. You know mm. what I mean? So. I, I love being able to be able to brag about that. And, you know, that's something I'll be able to tell my son. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, with that small town kid stuff, man, it, it was always a dream come true. Like, and I was still dreaming through the process. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it, it was hard to overcome, man, the thought process. Like, it really was. For sure. So, uh, obviously, 2010 concludes you guys win the East. I, I want to fast forward to 2011. Um, Kind of off-the-wall question here. The game at Georgia, crazy game, 45-42 final. Who would win in a foot race, do you think, you or Melvin Ingram? Because I tell you, he was getting he was getting it on that punt. He's a lot faster than people give him credit for. Man, Perr ain't faster than me, man. He, he, was pretty, <laughs> hey, he fast, man. Yeah, I, he I feel like he would surprise a lot of people. I, I don't know I mean. Would. He would. Yeah, he would. He would surprise a whole lot of people. Now, he probably – now maybe now. maybe he could keep up with, like, Antonio Allen in a foot race. <laughs> yeah. Antonio was kind of more that, like – Hybrid like linebacker DB type dudes. He wasn't yeah, like, blazing like speed. Yeah, yeah. and then no, yeah, it's, it's we joke now. Now it's you had like Husky Ingram in college. Now he's like this skinny shredded Melvin Ingram. That's like a different yeah, so guy probably, almost. I know he probably sliding now. I know he probably <laughs> going now. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, but the 2011 season though, man, which was my senior year, mm-hmm. which was my senior year. That was actually the best season that I had. Yeah. You know what I'm three I picks four. that year. Three picks. Yep, yep, yep. I did. And I had, you know, that was actually my better season. That's mm. that's really what got me a chance to be able to have a chance in the NFL. You know what I mean? Mm. But, you know, that ended quick on me. You know, I had an early retirement on that. And, you know, I really just overcome that like a few years ago. So, right. But, yeah. yeah go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I wanted to ask you about those two of those picks specifically because the, uh, the Auburn game, uh, the one at Williams Bryce, I was actually at that game in person, and we, you know, we all know how it turned out. But I thought it was so crazy because again, it's these little details that I think fans sort of forget. But you had two picks in that game, and they both came on the same drive. So right. it was another situation like Alabama where you pick it off, and it, I mean, it definitely looked like it was going to be a house call. And Lutzen Kirkin, Philip Lutzen Kirkin, rest in peace to him, comes over, knocks the ball away from you after your pick, he recovers it. And I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, what the hell do I have to do to yeah. get a get a normal interception? Later in that drive, throw to the back of the end zone, you come up with it. Just talk about, again, it, it's a swirl of emotions going from you have the pick to you lose it on a fumble to you get another one. And you almost like redeem yourself. And what I loved about the video was, because I watched the highlight of it, you can see your teammates like mob you after the second right. interception, just being like, you know, like I said, you just kind of redeemed yourself there. And 
I mean, it was a huge play. I mean, they were down there by the goal line. You know, you make a huge play to, to you know, keep them from scoring anything. Just just talk about that sequence of events because I, I can't imagine what was going through your head. I, I actually can rem- can't, um, remind myself of what the score was actually on that first pick. Mm. But that play right there actually – you know, when I caught that first interception, you know, I started running to the sideline and I should have got out of bounds. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was so frustrated. And Kirkman was, damn, he was strong now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. And he was real strong. He grabbed me, he stripped the ball out, and then he recovered it. So, you know, what's going through my head. I'm going through the sideline. Time ticking down anyway. You know what I mean? I think it mm-hmm. might have been a fourth quarter. But time ticking. And, you know, we got we got a chance to get the ball back. You know, I, I, I my mindset, I got to redeem myself. If they mm-hmm. throw the ball over here, I'm going to pick it. It ain't going to be no knock the ball down. If they throw the ball towards my way, I'm going to pick it off. And, you know, it just happened. I seen – when I saw the quarterback rearing back to throw it deep in the end zone, you know, my mind was, I got to have this ball. You know what I'm saying? But just pick right. it back at that, man. If I had a just got down or gotten out of bounds, we probably would have won that game. We probably would have been playing for a national championship that game, that mm-hmm. year, actually. We've probably been playing for the SEC again that year. And we probably had a chance to play in the national championship. Because that game actually cost us from – we didn't go to the SEC championship because of that game right there. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's always what if. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I, I still say, though, it's just crazy that, you know, that, I mean, that 11 team was – so that, that – and that's what I want to ask you, too. That 11 team was the first ever 11-win team at South Carolina. First yep. ever. Not even the 10 team did that, whatever, and obviously started the streak of three straight 11-win seasons. Yeah. I just I just always tell people, I feel like the football gods were against us because I don't know how you can win 11 games three years in a row and not get to the SEC championship any of those years. Really? I don't understand it. I really don't. But, really? Yeah, me don't. Um, me, yeah. me <laughs> so, but listen, um, also, um, we had a chance, man. We was just like, like, like I was saying, man. We all we used to do is just compete. We just compete, man. We built the chemistry. We hung out a lot like, as a team. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as a team, we hung out a lot. We did a lot, and we told us like working out and stuff. You know, really and truly, like the summer workouts is not actually mandatory. Mm-hmm. But this is what we're gonna do, guys. If we want to win, we're gonna have to outwork this next team, this next team, this next team, and we're gonna have to put in more work than them if we right. want to be able to compete. Because these teams is not gonna let up. You know what I'm saying? Right. So man, we made it. We made it kind of mandatory that everybody make workouts, and, and and it worked out in our favor actually. Mm-hmm. And you know, 2000. Well, actually, it was 2012 January the first we played in the Capital One Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was our first time winning a bowl game. We yeah. lost. We we yeah. we won it. We we had lost three straight year bowl games. We mm-hmm. won that one right there. Yeah, the that, is, that is true. That is a good point because I was thinking back yeah. to the. Uh, yeah, what was the, what was the uh, the bowl game in 08? That was uh, uh, the, um, Tampa. That was in Tampa. What was it? Oh, Iowa. Yeah, it was Iowa. And then 09, yeah. obviously, was the miserable UConn game. Yeah, uh, man, that was <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, and then 2010 that was Chick-fil-A. FSU, yeah, okay. State. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, you, yeah, I was going to say, you, you close out your career with that bowl win. But I want to go – a little bit before that, the Clemson game, again, we already talked about the rivalry, but you're a, you know, you talked about your senior year, you're a senior, you're the best year of your career, and then to close it out with a blowout win over Clemson, I and mean, that was a, a, a huge win. I guess just, just talk about what it meant to you to play in front of, like, South Carolina fans, again, supported you from day one, and just, again, to give them one last show on the home turf, um, 
you know, just what were the emotions for you going through that? Yeah, that it, actually that whole week was emotionless. And, um, you know, those those guys like Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins, uh, Hopkins, you know, they, those, those guys were talking a whole lot of smack on social media. And you oh, know, that was that was the that was the week where uh, Taj Boyd yeah. called the defense average, correct? Yeah, defensive line average. average. Yeah, them boys probably. I think them boy probably sacked him like ten times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he so, tried to say he didn't tweet that, but he definitely did. Yeah, he know he, he definitely did. Um, it, it it was so emotional, you know, to be to know that that was my last game playing at South Carolina, and how quick it went by. Like, you never know how quick something go by until you go through the process. Like, mm-hmm. when I got there, everybody, like, the academic advisors, the coach, they were like, nah, it's going to be a blur. It's going to go by real fast. I was like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm a true friend. I still got, you know, three old years, three, four right. old years. Now, when, when, you know, my senior year, I was like, dang, it's over with already? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it, it was really emotional, man, like, just, you know, because I created a lot of memories there, man. I built a lot of friendships. I built a lot of relationships with a lot of people. And, you know, that I'm still in contact with to this day. So, you know, going to South Carolina, going to college, going off to play ball, and, man, it changed me for the better. Like, it changed who I am. You know, mm-hmm. it opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff. I, I want to ask you, your career at South Carolina, CC. who was the – was there one receiver either on your own team that you played against that you remember vividly that gave you like your your best test or like your best battles or just like a guy that a receiver you remember going up against more than any other or anything like that? Uh, it'd be hard to put anybody in front of Alshon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you know we that was every day Monday through Thursday. That's what we was facing. You know. What I'm saying? So when Saturday got it was it was pretty much easy because. You know, a lot of those receivers we was playing against wasn't really as strong as AJ. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right. It, like I said, it, it would really be a dis a disgrace to try to put anybody in front of him because that guy was really a man child out there on that field. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, it'd probably be him, Ace. You know, with the quickness and stuff like that. And I told you, man, those guys got us ready for Saturday. Like, hey, we weren't gonna see nothing that we ain't see at practice on Saturday. No, for sure. So I want to ask you about, you know, obviously you finish up your South Carolina career, you get the win over Nebraska in the bowl game, become the first team to win 11 games. Um, Obviously, like you talked about, the NFL is the next stop for you. I know you got a call from the Minnesota Vikings. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. just briefly talk about, um, I I know the career maybe didn't go the way you wanted, but just kind of what you learned, what your biggest takeaways were from your, uh, from your professional football career. Uh. I actually, you know, I was doing the working. We was working out. We was going through the process of, you know, doing workouts and stuff. And, you know, we were going through the physical part. I was taking my physical and stuff. And, you know, my neck was kind of, you know, it's kind of sore a little right. bit. It's, you know, I couldn't move it. And, you know, I had a little slip disc in my, um, in my neck. So, I guess the teams really didn't want to take too much of a chance on a guy, you know, that could – you know, ruined my life, like paralyzed me or, you know, one, one, one false move, I could have ended my life. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was traumatizing, man. It, it was very, very hurtful, you know, because I always, that was always my dream and I always wanted to be, you know, an NFL player. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I also look at it like I had, I got the chance to be able to step foot on some NFL ground. You know, I also, I also look at it like, I, I, I accomplished a lot that a lot of people didn't do. 
So, you know, that's always the good that I look in it to try to overcome the bad. But it it was real hurtful, man. It took me so long to get over that, you know what I'm saying? Just for it to end so fast, you know what I mean? Mm. So. For sure. So I, I want to see, see, get your opinion on, you know, obviously you're a really proud alum and you did a lot in your career and, you know, accomplished a lot of firsts for the university, for the football program. But I want to get your take on, have you been back, able to get back on campus and meet Will Muschamp? Obviously, he's coming into a big year for South Carolina football, you know, trying to bounce back from last year. Um, a lot of big opportunities this fall. You, know, you have the best – probably the toughest schedule in the country facing LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, you know, the entire SEC slate or whatever. Um, what's your just overall take on the state of the South Carolina football program? Like I said, have you, have you had the opportunity to meet Will Muschamp and, and his staff or anything like that? Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet him um, actually a few times. You know, as long as they just keep hanging in there with my, with, with Champ, man, I, I, I think the program is going to eventually turn around. You know how it go, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, just keep giving them a chance, man. Like 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 I like like I said, how we was, man, the, the program was on the down rise too when I got there. They weren't, right. you know, they weren't winning. So um, just get more involved with the recruitment, like, Make the kids feel more comfortable and get more involved in recruit. Like you, you got to get them in-state recruits. You right. get the in-state recruits. You get those real high prospects in the in-state, and you know it, it, it'll turn the program around. Like, um, I think he's a great coach. You know, I I, I definitely think he know what he's doing, and you know, I think he's gonna work out good for him, man. You know. He, he he in a, a great program, you know. It's a great football city. They they love the game. They love the, they they support the team. So I I I think it's gonna turn around for him. You know, just hanging up with him, and I think that our program will definitely turn around. For sure. Sw- switching gears a little bit, CC. I want to ask you about. Uh, you said your son's in seventh grade, I believe. What uh, what I, I know you probably you know. We want him to play whatever, but what position does Pops want him to play? Offense, defense, DB, quarterback. What's what's the preference for uh, for you for for your son as far as like I'm his a, football career? I'm gonna be real with you, man. I actually want him to play quarterback because don't yeah. nobody know this, but that was actually my favorite position on the field. Right. You know why? Because I touch the ball every play. You know what I'm saying? So I actually want him to play quarterback, but he definitely don't want to play quarterback. He like receiver and he like um, DB. So I'm working them out at both, you know, seeing where he's going to be able to go from with that. So, um, and I'm telling you, it's, it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking pretty good. Yeah, like I said, you're, I mean, you're obviously your career in high school, I mean, you, you know, we're a dynamic uh, quarterback. And then I, I forgot about this too. You actually played in the, uh, the Under Armour All-Star game in Orlando and yeah. you had a pick six in that. So I mean, yep. you you were really a do it all player coming out of high school yep. for sure. Yep. yep. Um, I, I want to again, I want to switch it up big time here off of sports because of everything going on right now. CC, I, I want to give you the platform because I think it'll be interesting to hear your perspective. Obviously, with the you know the, the social injustices and stuff that's going on right now, we've heard a lot of former athletes speak out. I mean, you get on Twitter and you see like Marcus Lattimore and Alshon Jeffrey and Stephon Gilmore and Nick Jones, a lot of your teammates speaking out on everything. But I, I just really want to get coming from your perspective, the, the life of an African, African-American athlete and just growing up, you know, with that, I guess, and the pressures that come with, you know, you go to South Carolina, stuff like that. But with everything going on in the world, like I said, I, you know, I know it's a sensitive topic, but I'm just really interested to get your, you know, your take, your perspective on it. Because I think, obviously, you being an African-American athlete, you can provide a lot of perspective that a lot of people just do not have 
Um, right. I want to give you more and just kind of give you the opportunity to just talk about, again, with everything going on, just what your personal experiences were like, you know, positive or negative at South Carolina and just, you know, throughout your career and everything. I mean, I, I really didn't get – it wasn't as bad as it is now. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but now I, 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 I really can't say because I haven't been into too much of – trouble to where it could be like racial profiling, you know what I mean? Right. But like I said, uh, Terrence Campbell, like I talk, he's a real close friend of mine. I call him my brother, actually. Mm. And I, was, I call him just to get an input on what he feels. Like, all cops not bad. Don't get me wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Just don't, don't, we, we ain't even gonna, we ain't gonna say that because he is a proven example that he is trying to make a change in the community. But, you know, it's just hard, man. It's just, it, it, it's just hard out here as far as like, you know, we had a, we actually going through, we dealing with a, a case down here in Chester, a mm. guy that I played football with in high school, Aaron McCree. He, uh, the police actually killed him in Chester Walmart. Right. And they, they actually just now releasing the the surveillance six months later on, you know, his shooting. And he also mm. was handcuffed at the time when he got shot. And, uh, you know, it's just hard, man. Like right. I, you know, I I rather not speak upon it like that too much because all right, all right. I got you. It's just so much going on with that right now in the world, and I don't even want to say it's a lot of race stuff mm -hmm. like that, man. But I just think, you know, it's too much authority to be put on the police officers. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. right. So, for, sure. for sure. No, for sure. Like I said, just definitely wanted to get your perspective. Uh, switching back to football really quickly, CC, because I'm going to get you out of here before we go. Obviously, you were a guy again ton of great moments, ton of big plays in your time at South Carolina. Um, if you had to narrow it down to maybe your favorite moment or favorite big play you had, what what would it be for you? Uh, let me think. <clears throat> favorite moment. It was or, it's like your, or if it's like your favorite memory or, what, you know, whatever it can be from, from your time at Carolina. I would say my senior year, man. You mm -hmm. know, because I started majority of my senior year. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, my senior year was really big to me because of, you know, everybody want to go out their senior year. Everybody want to go out with a bang. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? You want this to be your best year. And I also right. told myself going into my senior year, like, you know how to take away a lot of stuff. You're going to eliminate a lot of stuff, which I did. I eliminated going home. I eliminated I eliminated a lot of stuff. And I, and I put my main focus on football. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the University of South Carolina. And it just worked out good for me. Like, I just had a great year that year. You know what I'm saying? So... I, that's what I would say. My whole senior year, like, it, it was just perfect for me. Mm. Any uh, any funny practice stories or stories from the build, from inside the building that you can tell on the airwaves, whether it be with Spurrier or your teammates? And I, I know he was uh, – that's that's a character, man. It's, it, it's very interesting to hear yeah, man. Hey, different Spurrier hey, encounters. Yeah, that boy Swag. They, they used to want to get that boy Swag, man. They get that boy Swag, man. Boy, they're going to be kicking us out of practice, boy. You know what I'm saying? We <laughs> They'd have kicked that boy out of practice a few times. I, I feel like he'd have you ready to run through a brick wall. Like I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think Swearinger's the kind of guy you can play next to and not be fired up. Yeah, you can't. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He like he like, wants you to get on his level. I feel like you got to. Like that guy is is, is a man child out there. You yeah, I mean it's saying? it's crazy because I mean he he caught some heat for this, which I don't think he should have. But you know when he was calling out the coaches for the Redskins because they basically weren't like studying film the way he was. And I just think it like speaks to, he's such a competitor. I mean, he will not accept, you know, you not being on his level. 
he was actually like that in college. Now the boy actually spent so much time watching film. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like right. he devoted a lot of his time into that film room. And it shows though to how he react on the field and how he play and stuff. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? You can see how if if if, if he knows it's gonna be this right here, DJ gonna react real fast. You know what I'm saying? I learned a lot from him. I never told him that, but you know, he taught me a lot as far as like uh reactions, DVs and stuff like that, just film work and stuff like that. But yeah, I never told him, man. But he 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 learned he I learned a lot from him. For sure. Well, CeCe, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I know I speak for all Gamecocks when I say, I mean, it was an absolute pleasure to watch you do what you did on the field. I mean, you were one of those guys that it was a lot of fun to watch your style of play and watch you guys all do what you did. But really appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, glad you're doing well. Let's let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yeah, we will, man. I really, really appreciate this. This means a lot to me, right? Absolutely. So for CC Whitlock, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time with another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.